the 31st of October is that ominous day when there's a great tradition, a great Irish tradition, and that is, of course, Halloween. And to all you people out there, particularly the ones that are Irish and have any grasp of their history, they'll know that Halloween has a very, very, very strong connection to the Irish. And I asked Pat Scott to come into studio to tell us some of the background, how Halloween came to be the festival that it is today, some of the traditions that we're all very familiar with, like the pumpkins and carving them out and things like that and trick-or-treating, where it might have come from, because it just didn't drop out of the sky. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. And Thank you. How long has the tradition of something around the 31st of October been a tradition, and particularly for the Irish Celtic nations? Well, um, the sound, there were four major holidays uh, in the pre-Celtic uh, times, and uh, Sound was one, and Sound was the New Year's, was the Celtic New Year. That may come as a surprise to people, but that was the way it was. So, like the first of November was first of November was our was our New Year. So this New was Year. this was it, okay. It New, was this was New end, Year's Eve. Yeah, it was the end of uh, the harvest. Right. And it now looked forward to uh, this, uh, short days and long nights of winter. And that would contain about 92 days, which will finish up on February, 1st of February. And uh, it, the amazing thing about it is that uh, uh, those four festivals, like Samhain, Imbolc, which is the 1st of February, that was Christianized to St. Uh, Bridget's. But then there was Bialtana and Lunasa. And um, so uh, those were, uh, th- th- that was the beginning. And it, it goes back probably 4,000 years before Christ because you could look at, say, the building of the... Uh, um, oh, my goodness, the, gra- the, uh, the one in Mead. Uh, oh, Newgrange. Newgrange. Newgrange was built around 3,200, which predated the Egyptian, uh, and it also predated Stonehenge. Well, Pat, I'm going to I'm going to cut across there because Newgrange, in effect, was a burial ground, and and the reason I want to cut across mm-hmm. is because uh, I have David Go mm-hmm. on the phone, and uh, David uh, is uh, the um, has written a play, which. Uh, he has is has been launched in uh, Hudson, and I wanted to get David on the phone this morning as well to talk about Wake of the Bones, and um, it, it was a good lead-in in a way to, to have Pat tell us where someone came from. And good morning, David, and welcome to the Gaelic Hour. Good morning, and thank you. Um, so, the Wake of the Bones is a, a play that you have written based on the. Irish in Montreal. Yes, uh, that's correct. Andrew Johnston, who's the artistic director of Hudson Theatre, Hudson Village Theatre, came to me and we'd known each other some years before and he wanted a play that would reflect on the Irish experience in in Quebec. And so he asked me, do you think you could write a play reflecting on the Irish experience in Quebec? And this is not usually how I go about writing plays. I usually get an idea and, and follow it. And I said, let me think on it and see what what comes up and uh so you know you don't look too far into the the history of the 
Irish in our province to see uh, and in our country to see the history of the, of the Black Rock and, and of the some say a hundred, some say two hundred thousand people who sailed from Ireland to Canada, and uh, of course twenty thousand of those people died in passage or shortly after arriving. So in Montreal, uh, we have a, a monument, uh, Blackstone or Black Rock, at the foot of the Pole Victoria, which is for the uh, six thousand people who were buried in a mass grave there. And uh, they were discovered, they say, or rediscovered 11 years later when the British decided they had to put a, a bridge through that very spot, which I find a, an ironic uh, kind of action, you know, uh, put a, a railway a bridge somewhere and landed, bless you, uh, landed on the, on the graves of 6,000 people in doing so. And so uh, not an act of malice, I don't think, necessarily, but, uh, you know, a, a, an interesting outcome. And uh, so that, I thought, was a tremendously uh, interesting, poignant uh, history. And, uh, and so we went from there. And uh, the story is told with a, a small family of four and uh, a, a seer, a blind seer, who's following more in the old uh, Celtic uh, tradi traditions and, and the, the Irish traditions than than anything else. And so it's a play with a lot of sadness in it, but a lot of comedy and, uh, and, and 14 songs as well, which are songs from 1860 or thereabouts, mostly 1860 and before. Now, I know you opened uh, there earlier in the week in um, Hudson. How's it been going? It's been going tremendously. The, the play is selling uh, tremendously well, and... You know, I thought people would, would like the show, but I didn't know that they would love it to death. And, uh, you know, this is a play all about the, the death, of, uh, the, the discovery of, of a grave of 6,000 people. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a laugh a minute, but uh, the, I, maybe it's a laugh every other minute. Uh, uh, we try to bring you know, a lot of humor to uh, not so much the subject matter, but the telling of the story and... Uh, and so as far as I understand, it's selling very, very well, and uh, it seems to have a huge connection with the audience. And I understand, David, that it has already been extended. Yes, it's been extended for another week. And one of the things I think that, that's uh, so nice in, in, in the show is that the Andrew work. I, I think we just... Yeah, I, I, I think we just dropped David there, and I get the feeling he'll come back into us in a moment. Um, that play, Wake of the Bones, uh, I was aware that it was uh, coming on, and I had put a notice in my newsletter. Um, Hudson, it's what, about an hour down the road, and the theatre down there, uh, I understand, is a beautiful little theatre. Um, the feedback I got also was that, as David said, that while it's not a laugh a minute, that for such a serious subject matter, that the audience reaction has been very, very strong. So it might be something that if you have an evening, it, it was scheduled to close on November 7th. So as David said, it's been extended to November 14th. Uh, so consequently, if you are willing to take the drive down, um, you can go and it's the community theatre in um, Hudson. Uh, if David doesn't come back, uh, Pat, you were listening to David there, an interesting subject matter. Um, the the um, interesting subject matter that you were listening that Pat, that David was covering and to put into a play. Well, I agree that it is an interesting subject. Um, 
but it's a uh, it's it's very uh, new type of history, you know. And whereas the uh, uh, Halloween goes back thousands thousands of years, mm-hmm. and um, when you said that uh, Newgrange was a grave, well, there was uh, the remains of just about three people were found there. Right. Uh, but the main part of Newgrange was the so uh, the winter solstice. Right. And it hit it dead on, which is, uh, you know, 21st and 22nd. Now, uh, they were able to calculate that, and I have been there, and the engineering required to establish that is mind-boggling. How could they have done it? I find, actually, the same when you mentioned that, that it's mind-boggling, because I know we have it up in our museum, uh, the War Museum, mm-hmm. and that uh, Alex Rankin put it in there. Um, however, um, I've always been blown away with, like, Titsunitsa and other places like mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. the, the engineering at the time is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling, yes. So when you, uh, when you realize that they were able to identify the winter solstice in 3,200, and... Julius Caesar was out a couple of days, you know, in four, uh, in I guess forty BC. You know? Yeah, uh, it might bring, it might put it into perspective right. the type of uh, the type of knowledge they had. Yeah, yeah. And of course, if you go one step further and go to the Cady Fields in Mayo, right. where uh, you know it's stunning. This is where there are fields, farm fields, comparable to the ones that I grew up with. You know? Where do do we find the first? Or where would you think is there the first records of something that resembles anything we have today? Well, it's hard to say because I think there's a lot of mythology involved with it. And it, uh, the mythology, I guess, really begins with, but I think it would go back further, with the conquering of the Tuatadanan uh, by the Miletians. Now, the Miletians probably were the Celts right. uh, around 600 B.C., and um, as a Tuatadan or the people of the gods would appear to be strictly intellectual, learned type people. And the Celts come in and they were armed with, uh, I guess, iron uh, spears and so on and so forth. And they didn't go into battle. And they um, met with one of the queens or the princesses and um, they decided that they would divide Ireland between them and the uh, the Celts would uh, rule over uh, overland, and the Tuatadanan would go underground. Okay. And so it became the other world. Okay. And I think this was would be the beginning of um, the fairies. Okay. Know. So um, um, then the the church particularly didn't. Put particularly like that. Now, when you said the church, we're talking oh, the post, we're post St. Patrick, we're to post four, five hundred AD. Well, yes, uh, although uh, when St. Patrick, I would argue, did not bring the, the faith to Ireland yeah. there, uh, the, the Druids knew all about it. Um, there was very little distinction between the faith that left that St. Patrick uh, and what existed before. I mean, there was triple gods and so on and so forth. Bridget, for example, was a triple goddess. Um, uh, so, they, the, the sound, uh, the eve of, uh, of um, 
November the 1st, was seen as the Festival of the Dead. Okay. So, and it also felt that the line between the living and the dead was permeable. And people could cross over. You could hear, uh, you know, even uh, uh, kind of a modern poem like, uh, Oh, come, uh, human child. To the oh, yes, to the uh, stolen child, yeah. I guess. Uh, with a fairy hand in hand for yeah. the world more full of weeping than you can understand right. you know uh, so that was still there right. and um, it was uh, these people that uh, are the fairies or the leprechauns were regarded as the good people right. then uh, around the, six, uh, the 16th century things changed dramatically um you had the the posting of the 95 theses by Martin Luther in in, in uh, Wittenberg in uh, I think 1517, and you had a major revolution within the church, and in Scotland, um, the these people were now regarded as uh, demons, etc. So you would the name is these are the leprechauns and the fairies. Leprechauns and the fairies. The, 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 the other world. The other world. Yeah. Okay. And that they would cause uh, that they would cause damage. So they um, would go out dressed up as demons and you know monsters and so on and so forth. And there, that's where the going out at night became a uh, um, ritual where. If you didn't give them what they were looking for, or, uh, the trick or treat. Trick or treat. Yeah, well, it evolved into. Trick yes, or treat. yeah, but uh, before that, it was a little bit more vicious because they would uh, switch uh, farm machinery around. Well, I remember lifting family. gates. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was something that just happened, or cabbages were. Yes, damaged. and that eventually uh, got into Ireland around the 19th century. Okay. And, uh, of course, then um, with the major uh, Im uh, immigration into the United States in the middle of the 19th century, this came along, you know. And the question of, um, uh, in Ireland, um, they would treat uh, the good people and they'd make it uh, welcoming. Mm -hmm. and there, and there would be feasts. Mm -hmm. And there would be, uh, if somebody had died within the year, there would be a place at the table. And there would be a lantern. Right. Uh, usually made from a Swede turnip. Right. They were the bigger ones. And uh, what they would do is um, they would have a, a, a candle within the, within the lantern. And, uh, and the jack-o'-lantern was really uh, a night watchman. Uh, the light would disappear from time to time, you know, since you're walking along. But it was associated with Will of the Wisp, uh, which is that uh, light you'd see in the bogs when you're walking along. It was actually phosphines being oxidized. Uh, it was a low, a low, a low f flame, and that got pulled into uh, the jack o' lantern. Okay. Now there was myths about jack o' lantern as well, right. but I think. Uh, um, all that got pulled in in the when they went over to the states. Uh, the turnip was not the easiest piece of vegetable to deal with. The, uh, um, the pumpkin, the pumpkin was available, and they could do much with the pumpkin. But the pumpkins didn't really get into the business of uh, 
being put in the door to on the door to, in the doorstep, you know, to keep off the, the evil spirits until about the 1930s. Now, the the Swede yeah. and the la- the the land turnip, yeah. what, the turnip was that then the the carving of that. Uh, with the light in it, originally was that meant to be welcoming or or uh, I scary? Actually, I think it was actually a lantern. You know, right. it didn't have anything like that in it, but it was. Uh, 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 but to answer your question, it would be welcoming. Yeah, because it was put on the window, not at the door. Okay, so that the that the soul could be guided to the proper window. Okay, proper because the other thing then around that time of the year at, at home, we used to do the barn brack. The bomb rack is that's still that's still part of it. That's uh, where they would put a it's a, um, a light fruit type uh, uh, bread uh, with a, a ring and coin and there were other things like piece of wood and so on and so forth. But the line the um, the the ring and the tripany bit were uh, were constant. And the ring meant that if you got the ring, you were married within the year, and if you got the trip in a bit, you were wealthy for the rest of your life. And, um, yeah, yeah. Right. And then we used to think like uh, bobbing for apples. And oh, yeah, bobbing for apples, yes, in the was, yes. And my God, it went through a lot. Um, that and the snap apple. Yeah, we're hanging from the door hanging frame. From the door, yeah. Yeah. It, it was. Uh, uh, New Year, New Year's, around, it was New Year's Day, of course. Um, uh, Halloween was a, a, a very um, um, joyable, joyful, uh, celebratory type of night. And uh, songs were sung, ghost stories told, yeah. and, um, and then um, uh, locals would have, um, would also do something else, they would light fires. Uh, they would extinguish all the fires and light bonfires. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, often two two bonfires, and the um, they would walk about the one, you know, in between, and they would put the cattle in between them. Uh, this was uh, uh, for good luck, and uh, uh, fire was seen as blessed. Uh, so it was a good ritual. And then the people of the village would light their fires from one of those bonfires. Right. And that was uh, to coalesce their, their, their um, relationships right. for uh, the, coming, the coming year. Yeah. So this would have been a bit like the Easter Vigil in, in, in the church here where the, the Paschal candles yeah. and, and other things are then lit from that. Yeah, well, uh, the ch- uh, the church has had great difficulty with the uh, with with the um, with sound. Uh, I call it sound because yeah, no, uh, and, 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 and we won't go down the road of the yeah. church's difficulty with sound at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stay with sound. We'll stay with sound because the other aspect then of sound was that it's uh, isn't that also um, Halloween was all Hallows Eve. It, it, yeah, it came from Hallow evening. Yes. So then it becomes Halloween. Yes. And it was a blessed evening. And in the seventh century, they cha- they brought in the saints and made it all saints day. Right. Okay. And that's if you. I remember the time that if you went into the church, that uh, for every visit to the church, you <laughs> you got an indulgence, and they were the people were in and out of the church like yo-yos. Oh yes, I accumulated a lot of indulgences. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, so, because that was also that was 
the 31st of October. Yes. Yeah, those practices. Oh, yes. well, they, well, they, you know, but they also moved, uh, they also established All Souls Day. You know, yes. there was a lot of pressure put on. They wanted to drop those holidays. What they really did was uh, they wanted to change all the Celtic holidays to uh, Christian holidays. Okay. Um, so then let's get back to, to the, the traditions that uh, you said then would have migrated from uh, the British Isles. But given that the, the um, lantern, so would it be more Scottish and have come from Scotland down through into Ireland or would, would it have evolved no, in Ireland? I think it, uh, the, the lantern evolved in Ireland. Okay. Uh, and the... Uh, Dressing up as devils, and uh, I think had its genesis in Scotland. Right. Uh, there was a, a group called Mummers. Yes. Uh, but they were primarily around Christmas time. Yeah. Uh, but there were also, I, I can't see the distinction between mumming and what the Scots were doing and what, uh, uh, what now, I guess, has evolved into trick and treating. Right. So that would have come over <laughs> with the migrations. Yeah, it came over in the, in the middle of the 19th century. Yeah. There was a fair amount, uh, there was a lot of Irish, of course, and, uh, but there was a lot of Scots as well, you know, the land uh, um, closures and that type of stuff. Right. Uh, uh, knocked a lot of people off the land, so they came to, they came to North America. Yeah, because I've always struggled with, when I see um, some of the uh, costumes mm-hmm. that people dress up and kids are put out in, mm-hmm. um, has it gone to the point that you know the if the original uh, concept was it was the fairies and um, the leprechauns that were coming around and that they would do devilment if you didn't treat um, you know do Star Wars characters kind of fit the bill? Well, and I would say that um, it started out with the. Uh, there was a, uh, what was called soulful. They would go from around and asking for prayers for the dead and mm-hmm. you know do that. Uh, but uh, uh, there was that in this in the 16th century. There was a major change, you know, and it became the other way. These people, these uh, other world people, were the demons, right? You know, and um, but that I think now has gone away, and we are back to that the other world is. Are nice people and don't don't abuse them, you know. Okay. Otherwise, you could get hit, but generally they are. Um, um, I think they're regarded as uh, decent, you know, and uh, helpful, and that that line between us is not so great at this time of day, at this time of year. So, if we go back to some of the the tricks mm-hmm. that I remember, I say I remember gates being lifted. Mm-hmm. I think another one was bicycles. You were talking about farm machinery. Yeah, well, I come from a farming background. Yeah. And, uh, and cattle, you know, uh, let, uh, let out of fields and yeah. let astray and farmers having to search for them. Uh, it was devilment yes. and it wasn't very nice, no. you know. Uh, but it was more in Northern Ireland than it was in the South. Um, I think down south where I was, it was still uh, a fun type thing. Um you were conscious that, very conscious that the other world, I mean, I grew up on a farm where there was a fort, and that was regarded as a raw, or a rotish trip, but mm-hmm. in English. And uh, uh, the people who had that place before us, before my dad had it, uh, took it over, they were very, very careful with it. And... Um, 
my dad, um, I guess, had a different view. He, he didn't think much of all this, and he kind of knocked the fort. Well, he paid a price. Right. He paid a price for it. And I am still very conscious of that because uh, um, the man who had owned the farm would work with my dad from time to time. Uh, he was his brother-in-law. And they would use stones that were picked up on the, you know, off the fields for, uh, on hay, for hay and grass and wheat and oats and that, and that was used as a, as a, a cash crop. Yeah. And um, when the when the crop was um, when the uh, that when those stones were sold to the uh, to the county council, uh, his brother-in-law would plant them. And one day he said to him, uh, where do you get all uh, those stones that the kids picked up must be exhausted by now. And my dad said, yes, uh, for the last two or three days. And where are you getting these stones? Out of the port. He stopped right away and would not touch the stones. Mm. And uh, he was telling this story. And I said, well, did anything happen? And he said, yes. Your mother got sick. Two of our cows died. And I nearly lost a finger. And just, you know, and he was in no way was he, you know, uh, he wasn't superstitious. And uh, but that stopped him cold. You know, right. I wish he had never interfered with the fort. Quite frankly, because right. there are stories on the fort that there was uh, that they were interconnected with others, and I knew of other forts in the area that were not touched. Yeah. So yeah. no, I'd be uh, there's too much history. Yeah. Too much history. It goes back a long, long ways. And uh, I would be respectful of it. You know, yeah. Now, the other thing you did mention were ghost stories. And, that's, um, of course, it was at that time. This is pre-TV, of course, as mm -hmm. well. And, uh, an awful lot of these traditions were killed and, or died out over a period since TV arrived. Mm -hmm. But um, this was the night when um, the... The, the best storyteller around probably gathered the, the kids around about and uh, told the, the scary stories well that's true but the, 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 uh, within families you know the stories would be told that somebody had uh, there's always somebody in the family that had some strange uh, so like just what you even related about the fort yes, yes. that that would evolve into oh, a, a ghost story a ghost story it would, uh, uh, although we never talked about it it was the only time that uh, I ever heard of it and uh, in where I grew when I grew up, it was uh, mostly song recitations and that. Right. Um, right. And uh, people that would drop in would be relations and uh, some neighbours and that. And um, um, and if they went out, if they dressed up to go out, they went out as uh, fairies. Okay. And uh, there was. Uh, I don't think there was any mischief involved. You know, there may have been, but uh, I certainly wasn't uh, much, very much aware of it. Right. There was lots of mischief involved, say, uh, um, around the, uh, around the, uh, the range uh, since evening yeah. day, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, but um, tried to keep the two of those separate. Yeah. Right. And, of course, all these things, they, they brought communities together. They certainly did, and uh, even when I was growing up, we would have dances, you know, on Halloween, you know. Yeah. And even here in Ottawa, when we came, we we had, uh, in fact, um, 
a Halloween uh, fancy dress party okay. was where Deirdre and I first met. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, um, I want to thank you for coming in this morning and uh, taking the time and getting up at this unearthly hour and sharing with us. You can catch more episodes from our archives. If you want to download our app, go to the App Store or to Google Play and look for Irish Radio Canada. And we have uh, a great selection of archives. We also have a calendar of events uh, from some of the organizations across the country, in addition to a directory of the Irish organizations across the country. And you'll get a link to the Facebook page, the Twitter account, the Instagram page, and our YouTube channel. So uh, stay tuned to Irish Radio Canada.